Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Ring of Truth with our pastor and teacher, Dan Sexton, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City. Please join Pastor Dan as he teaches through God's Word. God wanted to give them rest. God wanted to give them refreshing, but they wouldn't hear it. They wouldn't receive it. Remember in the Gospels uh, when Jesus lamented over the city of Jerusalem and he said, I wanted to just gather you under my wings like a mother hen gathers her chicks, but you wouldn't let me. Jesus said, all all I wanted to do was protect you and provide for you and care for you, and you wouldn't let me do it. Today, Pastor Dan asks you to consider if God has been trying to show you his love, but you aren't being receptive to it. The Lord cares deeply for his children, and yes, that means you too. But sometimes we get so caught up in our woes that we won't accept help, love, and kindness from others, or even God. Pastor Dan wants you to know that it's a wonderful thing to lean on Jesus in the good times and especially the bad. For the Lord only wants the best things for you, and He wants to show you His devoted, protective love. And now, open your Bibles to the book of Isaiah, chapter 28, as we join Pastor Dan for Ring of Truth. Verse 5 says, In that day the Lord of hosts will be for a crown of glory and a diadem of beauty to the remnant of his people, for a spirit of justice to him who sits in judgment, and for strength to those who turn back the battle at the gate. Ephraim's glory was fading fast, but not God's glory. Just because Ephraim was about to fall doesn't mean that God's kingdom is about to fall. His glory is not fading. His glory remains. And we see here that he also has a remnant in Ephraim. Even as Ephraim is is going down, he still has a a remnant in the land. So now that brings us to verse 7. And so now after stating uh, why Ephraim's glory was fading... Now Isaiah switches his attention to the southern kingdom. Remember, he was just telling us about the northern kingdom as an example, as a warning to the southern kingdom of what was bringing that kingdom down. And so now he switches to the southern kingdom of Judah, and Isaiah is in Judah. He lives in Judah. He's writing to Judah. He just used Ephraim as an example. And so now he says to Judah, but they also have erred through wine and through intoxicating drink are out of the way. The priest and the prophet have erred through intoxicating drink. They are swallowed up by wine. They are out of the way through intoxicating drink. They err in vision. They stumble in judgment. Judah was caught up in the very same sin that brought down the northern kingdom. They're doing the same thing. They also erred through wine and intoxicating drink. They also were going astray. They were out of the way, it says. That means they were on the wrong path. And he's warning them, saying, look at what happened to the northern kingdom because of their pride and because of their drinking and how that brought them down. And you're doing the same thing. And it's going to have the same result if you don't repent of it, if you don't turn from it. Look at verse 7 again. Verse 7 tells us, The priests and the prophets, the religious leaders, the leaders of the nation, of the southern kingdom of Judah, had also gone astray through drinking. It says they were swallowed up by wine. 
Now, the priests represented the people to God at the temple. They would go before God's presence on behalf of the people. The prophets represented God to the people. And both the priests and the prophets were swallowed up by wine. They're they're drunkards. The leaders of the nation, the people that speak to God on behalf of the people, and the people that speak to the people on behalf of God, they're, they're all swallowed up by wine. Uh, Go with me back to Leviticus 10, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. And here in Leviticus 10, if you're familiar with the chapter, this is when the sons of Aaron, the high priest, Nadab and Abihu, this is when they offered strange fire on the altar and God struck them down for offering strange fire on the altar in the tabernacle. And then immediately after that, God establishes a prohibition for the priest against drinking alcohol. And so some believe that Nadab and Abihu had been drinking before they offered the strange fire on the altar. And that's why God now introduces this prohibition for the priests. If you look at Leviticus 10, verse 9, speaking to the priests, the sons of Aaron... Do not drink wine or intoxicating drink. You, speaking to Aaron, nor your sons with you who also served as priests. When you go into the tabernacle of meeting, lest you die, it shall be a statute forever throughout your generations that, here's why you shouldn't drink, that you may distinguish between holy and unholy and between unclean and clean. So here the Lord says to Aaron and his sons, who were the priests, don't drink alcohol. Because if you drink alcohol, it's going to impair your judgment, as we all know. And you will not be able to distinguish between what is holy and unholy and what is unclean and what is clean. You'll you'll lose your judgment. It'll cloud your judgment, as alcohol does. And when a person drinks, they have a hard time distinguishing between what's clean and unclean, what's good and what's bad, or what's, a, what's right and what's wrong. And so the priests in the Old Testament, they were forbidden. They were prohibited from drinking. We also see in the New Testament the same thing in the New Testament. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 3, Titus chapter 1, verse 7. There it says that the overseers in the church, the bishops or the leaders in the church, uh, should not be given to wine or given to alcohol. Pastors, leaders, elders, overseers in a church should not drink, according to the scriptures. Shouldn't drink at all. Now, practically, for me as a pastor, I may get a phone call from someone in the church any time, day or night. Somebody could call me at any point, any time with an emergency or a crisis. And I don't want to show up Uh, in the emergency room at the hospital to try to minister to a family with alcohol on my breath. Because that family, if they smell alcohol on my breath, they don't know if I've had one beer with dinner or ten beers. They just smell the alcohol. I lose my ability to minister to that family now effectively. And so it's just better not to drink. Plus the scriptures forbid it for a pastor, but just practically speaking, it's better uh, it, it, I also wanted to affect my judgment when I'm ministering to others or when I'm trying to rightly divide the word of truth. I don't want it to cloud 
my judgment of right and wrong and holy and unholy and clean and unclean. So pastors shouldn't drink. Now, I say that, and it, it has become, in recent years, it has become very popular and very common, sadly, for pastors to drink. And some churches even have uh, alcohol as just part of the church uh, and the church life. Uh, there was a couple that visited our church, and they were, they were saying that in their previous church, they went to a home Bible study, and they, sold, uh, they served margaritas there. Uh, and that one of, the, one of the people at the Bible study had to get their wife to drive home because he had too much to drink at a Bible study. It shouldn't be. It just shouldn't be that way. So anyways, look at verse 8. Go back to 20, chapter 28, verse 8. Speaking of the priests and the prophets in Judah who are swallowed up by wine, verse 8 says, For all tables are full of vomit and filth. And there's no place that is clean. Speaking of the priests and the prophets, the tables here, there were tables that were in the temple. It could be that it's talking about the tables in the temple. That they're they're drunk on the job. While they're serving the Lord, they're drinking at the temple. And not only are they they are they drinking, they're they're getting bombed and they're vomiting all over the place. I mean, these are the priests and these are the prophets. And everybody knows about it. Isaiah is not uh, exposing some secret sin of the priests. Everybody knows about it. Everybody in Judah knows that the priests are drunks and that the prophets are drunks. They're puking all over the place. You think about it. it would, would anyone want to seek counsel for their life from a priest or a pastor who is binge drinking? And getting, you know, pass out drunk. Is anybody going to go to that priest? Is anybody going to take that priest seriously? Or that pastor seriously? Or think that that pastor or priest can really give them sound godly advice when the guy is puking all over the temple? Now, verse 9 gives us the words of these priests and prophets to Isaiah. This is their reaction to the word of the Lord that Isaiah shared with them in verse 9. Now watch what it says, verse 9. Whom will he teach knowledge? And whom will he make to understand the message? Those just weaned from milk, those just drawn from the breasts? For precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little, there a little. The religious leaders scorned and ridiculed Isaiah's message, which was really God's message, because Isaiah was just proclaiming the message of God. They ridiculed and scorned the message of the prophet Isaiah because it was too simple. It was too simple. It was too plain. And they're the priests, you know, they're they're the prophets. They're the, they're the professional clergy. And they just mocked Isaiah's message because it was just too plain and too simple. They, they were insulted by the simplicity of what Isaiah had to say. And in verse 9, they say to Isaiah, essentially, are you going to teach us? I mean, we're the priests. You know, we're, we're the teachers, not you. We're the teachers. We, we're the theologians. We've got the degree. You don't. And you're going to teach us and you're going to speak to us 
like we're babies that have just been weaned. In other words, they're, they're saying, you know, Isaiah's message was so simple. These religious leaders are saying, that, that's, that's a message for children. You know, we're, we're into the deeper things, the theological things, the things that you're saying, Isaiah, that's, that's for children. That's not for us. That's, uh, that's baby talk, Isaiah. In fact, the phrase here, when, it, when they say that Isaiah's message was precept upon precept, line upon line, that's actually a play on words in the Hebrew. In the Hebrew, those are all uh, monosyllabic words. The words in the Hebrew are zav, zav, kav, kav. And they're, they're mimicking what he's saying. Kind of like how we say in English, goo, goo, gaga. That's what they're saying about Isaiah's, Isaiah's message. It's, it's baby talk. It's so simplistic. We're way beyond goo goo gaga, Isaiah. We're the priests. And they were, uh, they were offended by Isaiah's message because it was so simple. But again, Isaiah just delivered God's message. It wasn't Isaiah's message. It was God's message that they were offended by. You know what this tells us? This tells us that God's message is a very simple message, isn't it? God's message is simple. It's plain. It's so simple that a child can understand the message of God. A child can understand John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. A three-year-old can comprehend that. Jesus loves me. This I know for the Bible tells me so. A three-year-old can get that. The message of God is simple. It's intended to be simple and not complex. God wants us to understand it. He wants us to know him and to understand his message. So he makes it very plain. He makes the gospel very plain. He makes the way of salvation very plain. In 1 Corinthians, Paul says, God sent me to you to preach the gospel, not with the wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of no effect. Paul says, I I, I preach the gospel to you, but it wasn't with the wisdom of words, because if I used big words... It would make the cross ineffective. You would get lost in the language. You would get lost in the the big words and miss the whole message. He he goes on to say in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined, he made a decision. Paul was very intelligent, well-educated. But he made the decision not to use excellent speech or human wisdom. He said, I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I made a decision when I came to you in Corinth that I was just going to preach the cross of Jesus Christ. And that's it. And I wasn't going to use big words, and I wasn't going to get into some deep theological stuff. I just, just the cross of Christ. Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and fear and in much trembling. Paul was nervous when he spoke in front of them. He was shaking. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom. I didn't persuade you with my intelligence or my intellect or my oratory skills. He says, my preaching was in demonstration of the spirit and of power that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. They would not be impressed by Paul's great wisdom and his great intellect and his ability as a public speaker, but by the power of God, with just the simple message of the cross. God's message is simple. It's plain so that all can understand it. 
But the priests and the prophets, they wouldn't receive God's message that came through the prophet Isaiah. So, verse 11, here's what the Lord's going to do. For with stammering lips and another tongue, he will speak to this people. (laughs) So God said, all right, you don't want to receive my simple, understandable message and repent. All right, then I'm going to send a foreign nation to invade your land, to conquer you. And they're going to speak with a foreign tongue and foreign speech. And once they're ruling over you, then you'll understand that I've got some issues with you. You're not going to receive the simple message, the plain language. How about I send some foreigners in to conquer you and you have to serve them and then you'll understand my message. That's going to be the consequence. That's the consequence for having a stiff neck and a hard heart and refusing to listen to God's word. The Bible says the way of the transgressor is, is hard. They just won't receive his word. And so now God's going to take them the hard way around. You know, they chose option B, where now they're going to be invaded by a foreign nation and they're going to serve people that speak a foreign language. And then they'll get the message. Look at verse 12. He's going to do this to whom he said, this is the rest with which you may cause the weary to rest. And this is the refreshing. Yet they would not hear. God wanted to give them rest. God wanted to give them refreshing, but they wouldn't hear it. They wouldn't receive it. Remember in the Gospels, uh, when Jesus lamented over the city of Jerusalem, and he said, I wanted to just gather you under my wings like a mother hen gathers her chicks, but you wouldn't let me. Jesus said, "All, all I wanted to do was protect you and provide for you and care for you, and you wouldn't let me do it. And so destruction came upon Jerusalem. And here, the, the, the nation of Judah, they just wouldn't receive God's word. They wouldn't hear of it. They wouldn't listen to it. Go back to Deuteronomy one more time, uh, this time to chapter 28. And here, this is where the Lord is, is declaring, again, before they enter into the promised land, when they're still in the wilderness, they're about to go in. This is when the Lord is declaring blessings and curses to the children of Israel. Blessings for obedience, curses if they disobey. And he says in Deuteronomy 28, verse 45, Moreover, all these curses shall come upon you and pursue and overtake you until you are destroyed because you did not obey obey the voice of the Lord your God. Because they would not obey his word. To keep his commandments and his statutes which he commanded you. And they shall be upon you for a sign and a wonder and on your descendants forever. Verse 47. Because you did not serve the Lord your God with joy and gladness of heart for the abundance of everything. Therefore you shall serve your enemies whom the Lord will send against you. In hunger and thirst and nakedness and in need of everything. And he will put a yoke of iron on your neck until he has destroyed you. Look at verse 49. The Lord will bring a nation against you from afar, from the end of the earth, as swift as the eagle flies, a nation whose language you will not understand. The Lord says here, if you you don't obey me, if you don't obey my voice, if you don't keep my commands, as a judgment against you, I'm going to send a foreign nation 
from afar and they're going to they're going to come in and invade the land and they're going to be a nation whose language you will not understand and they'll conquer you and you'll have to serve them this is before they came into the land and now when we get to Isaiah Isaiah is saying the same thing in Isaiah 28 that with stammering lips in another tongue he will speak to this people he's going to send in Just as he promised in Deuteronomy, he's going to send in this foreign nation that speaks a different language to conquer the land and conquer the people. Look at verse 13 again, Isaiah 28. Verse 13, they wouldn't hear it because the word of the Lord was to them precept upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little, there a little. Again, it's just, it's it was too simplistic that they might go and fall backward and be broken and snared and caught because they rejected the word of God. They will fall backwards and they will be conquered. They're not going to move forward. They're going to go backwards because they refuse to hear his word. Therefore, verse 14, hear the word of the Lord, you scornful men. They're scorning the word of God. Hear the word of the Lord, you scornful men who rule this people who are in Jerusalem, the leaders of the nation scorned the word of God. The leaders of the nation refused to hear it. That's why you should pray for the leaders of our nation, that they would hear the word of God, that they would listen to it, that they would receive the word of God. But Judah had leaders that that scorned the word of God, that didn't want to hear it. Verse 15, Because you have said, We have made a covenant with death, And with Sheol, we are in agreement. When the overflowing scourge passes through, it will not come to us. For we have made lies our refuge, and under falsehood we have hidden ourselves. They were were overconfident. He asked me how I know, and I say, Bring truer than the finest crystal. That's all we have time for today on Ring of Truth. We're so glad you joined Pastor Dan Sexton for his verse-by-verse study through the book of Isaiah. This extraordinary book is quoted in the New Testament more than any other Old Testament book. Plus, it provides us with the most comprehensive picture of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. It includes the full scope of his life and ministry, from his virgin birth to his sacrificial death to his resurrection and second coming in glory. If you'd like a copy of today's message, you'll be able to find it on our website, calvaryec.com. You can also subscribe to our podcast so you never miss an edition of this program. That website again is calvaryec.com. We'd love to hear from you too and learn how Ring of Truth has blessed you. Please take some time soon to give us a call at 410-491-4592. Let us know how God is working in your life and if there's anything that we can be praying for during this study of Isaiah. That number again is 410-491-4592. With that, our time with you has come to an end. We pray the Lord bless and keep you and that your faith is deepened with each passing day. Tune in next time to continue our study of the book of Isaiah right here on Ring of Truth. No.